the Slaughter in May podcast. Hello and welcome to our Governance and Sustainability podcast forward look. I'm George Murray, Senior Professional Support Lawyer sitting in our sustainability team here at Slaughter in May. I'm joined today by David Watkins, soon to be co-head of sustainability at the firm and one of our corporate partners, as well as Azadad Naziri, partner in our sustainability practice and in our finance practice. As part of Slaughter May's Horizon Scanning series, we're going to look ahead to the key trends we'll be keeping an eye on in our governance and sustainability theme in 2023. It's an incredibly broad waterfront, which we can't go through all of right now, so we'll touch on themes likely to dominate sustainability and climate change debates in the coming year. These include fast developing areas for business like the just transition and human rights, as well as greenwashing and climate litigation, how ESG interacts with financial performance, and recurring themes like ESG reporting and climate-related shareholder activism. David, can you start us off by touching on what 2023 is likely to mean for greenwashing? Thanks, George. Yes, I think greenwashing and climate litigation are critically important areas and and probably going to be of, of big focus in the coming year. Greenwashing is obviously one of those terms that you, you know it when you see it, but the exact definition can be a little bit more slippery. At its simplest, it's about making an untrue or misleading public statement relating to your business's green credentials. And that can lead to any number of risks, uh, ranging from claims for breach of director's duties, claims for publishing a misleading prospectus, becoming the subject of a complaint to a regulator, such as the Advertising Standards Agencies, and we've seen some of that at the tail end of last year, the CMA, we're seeing a live case at the moment, the FCA or the PRA or being targeted by shareholders. And these can either be traditional activist shareholders or non-traditionally activist shareholders looking to requisition a resolution, perhaps to replace members of the board, requiring a vote on some sort of ESG plan, a transition plan, or calling for disclosure of lobbying reports. Even in the absence of official legal action, there can, of course, be reputational damage, and it can be pretty significant. We're expecting the focus on greenwashing to grow off the back of a number of high-profile cases over the past couple of years and to be added to by new areas of focus, like the big focus on nature and biodiversity, which is likely to be one of the major new battlegrounds over the coming period. Absolutely. And Asda, can you talk about how we're looking to make sure the S in ESG comes through? Yes, of course. As you know, there has over the last few years been a lot of emphasis on the E, but the S is now increasingly coming into focus. And I want to touch on just transition in particular and human rights more generally. At COP27, we saw agreement to an unprecedented loss and damage that would spur richer countries to pay for some of the damage climate change has done in poorer countries. This is in part recognising the historical legacy of where most of the carbon causing climate change came from, and more pragmatically, that we need every country on board if the world is to address the climate emergency, and this is part of the way to do that. That shift towards funding loss and damage reflects a broader emphasis on just transition. We focus a lot on reducing carbon, which is, of course, absolutely right. But we also need to think about what negative impact that reduction can have on people and communities. Some of those listening will likely remember the impacts of deindustrialization in the UK that we're still feeling today. And just transition is at its heart about avoiding something similar happening again worldwide. 
businesses will have a huge role to play in this as they transition themselves towards a zero carbon economy. And we want to think about what happens to people they employ and the communities in which they operate. And just transition, of course, links very closely to the question of human rights more broadly. Now, when we talk about human rights, we're often talking about human rights in the context of governments. But increasingly, it's really something that businesses are choosing to engage with voluntarily. So, for example, under the OECD guidelines for multinationals and are increasingly being required to do so under law. The EU, for example, has an incoming forced labour regulation and a planned due diligence directive that will require businesses within scope to assess and address their adverse human rights, as well as environmental impacts along the whole value chain. The US too is starting to think about human capital and the value of people to businesses. The interesting bit, of course, will be to see how the many years of human rights legal practice and precedent that's been applied to governments can be translated, if at all, into obligations on businesses who can play a substantive role, but really only within the confines of what states allow. The S and D are, of course, closely linked, so it's useful, but uh, often quite misleading to try and distinguish between the two. Uh, and I, I think we really need to think about them more and more as closely intertwined together. Yes, I absolutely agree. It's really important to see the, the whole picture and think about how that impacts businesses. And, and talking of which, David, can you walk us through uh, what we have in mind when it comes to how ESG performance links to financial performance from a legal perspective? Yep. One view is that ESG can be seen as a pretty good indicator of the overall health of an entity, with the thesis generally being that companies which are cited on and actually actively engaged with risks and opportunities beyond the bottom line being better and safer bets for investors seeking to maximize their return over the medium to long term. And this in turn raises a number of legal questions about how businesses can best engage with these ESG issues and how directors can fulfill their duties to act in the best companies, the company's best interest, taking all of this into account. And just a final thought, David, as to what else should people be looking out for in 2023? Well, some of the old chestnuts are very much still around. We'll be keeping an eye on perennial ESG topics, reporting, shareholder activism relating to climate. We're expecting the global climate change and sustainability standards being developed by the, and this is a bit of a mouthful, the International Sustainability Standards Boards, or IWSB, to be published sometime in 2023. And rapidly, we see those as becoming the global standard. That, in turn, will likely feed into or impact the domestic regimes like the UK Sustainability Disclosure Requirements Regime and also the EU's Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, which there's been a lot of talk about recently. Attention is also turning to corporate transition plans. And this, I think, is going to be a growing area of focus. Um, we've got the UK's Transition Plan Task Force consulting now on what they describe as a gold standard for transition plans. And we're expecting at some point this transition planning requirements become mandatory. And on shareholder activism, we've seen a very rapid increase in pressure on business to have yes, no climate transition uh, plan related votes, which are now evolving into more nuanced demands for boards to fully engage and are likely to develop even further in 2023. And of course, we'll be keeping an eye on how things develop in relation to nature and biodiversity in the wake of the big biodiversity conference, COP15, that happened in December. Uh, so it's clear there's a lot going on in ESG. We've touched on greenwashing, the just transition, human rights, ESG performance, reporting, transition plans, nature, and shareholder climate-related activism. So 
So it's a full list uh, of things that are likely to dominate our focus in 2023. And that's not even mentioning things that will develop along the way. That brings us to the end of this podcast. I want to say a big thank you to Asda and David and all of you for listening. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play. That's it from us. Thank you and goodbye for now. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.